0: How many of you guys are excited to be here today? Come on! Woo! I'm pumped to see you, man. I'm so excited that you're here for week two of paparazzi. Uh, I want to say at the very beginning, uh, thank you to our, our worship, to Radiate Worship, uh, for the atmosphere that you set and the prayers you put behind everything. I, I know sometimes it can feel like we just have that because it's a part of our church and it's a part of our... Uh, uh, what we do, but uh, I Radiate Worship, I just wanted you to know, and I said it first service, and I'll say it all day, you don't know how much your pastor needs that this week, and so I just thank you guys so much uh, for the atmosphere you set and the prayers you put into it. Come on, let's make some noise and honor those guys today and girls. They do so good. Hey, so we're in week two of paparazzi, living your faith in a world that's watching, and and what does it look like to live your faith that way? And what does it mean? And So last week um, we talked about James chapter 1 and when you're going through difficulty and you're going through hard times, how we can anchor to Christ, we can anchor to God and and Jesus and how James actually teaches us what that looks like and what that means in a very real way. And uh, paparazzi, the whole series, we're going through the book of James, all five chapters. Uh, So at the end of it, You'll be able to say that you've been through at least one book of the Bible all the way through. Um, hopefully, way more than that. Um, but so last week I, I challenged you to go home and read chapter one throughout the week. Last week, and I'm going to do the same this week because this is going to blow you away. We're going through the book of James, and we did James one last week. So guess where we're going today? James two. I know you guys are so shocked. It's an, it's amazing. Uh, I like to keep things on suspense. Um, no, so James two. So I, I challenge you and encourage you. Go home over the next seven days and uh, read James chapter 2 uh, this week. And, and really, uh, as I said in the first service, uh, don't just read the Bible, let the Bible read you. So let it just bring something out of you. Let it uh, just, I guess, illuminate some areas of your life where we can, we can operate in the Scriptures and, and we can apply them. And So we're at, as we're in this, we're going to enter into a conversation that James chapter 2 brings us to this confrontational idea. And I've been in ministry. This is my 19th year of being in ministry, in uh, full-time ministry as a youth pastor, kids pastor, and now a lead pastor at the greatest church on the planet. Come on, somebody. You know? And, And so 19 years, I've had a conversation about this concept And these ideologies that James brings up in in chapter 2, where he starts talking about faith and works. And uh, he starts conversating, like bringing this up and teaching us what it means. And a lot of our conversations kind of center around when it comes to this stuff that, you know, how much, like, how do you know what faith is? Like, you're not saved by great works, you're saved by Faith in Jesus, and then there's so I don't need to do anything, but then James brings up this idea that if I don't do anything, then is my faith real and, and so there's these complex conversations about what does an active working faith look like, and how much is too much whenever you come to a place where you start depending on your deeds and your works more than you do your faith and and, and I love actually the the um, it, so I heard it said like this one time, we need to learn to live in the tension. We need to learn to live in the tension. Because sometimes what we try to do is we try to figure out the tension so there is no tension. Because, but reality, tension is what makes us better, right? It causes us to drive a little deeper and think a little more and be a little more compassionate. And maybe the truth isn't all the way over here. And maybe the truth isn't all the way over there. Maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle of the tension, Right, that we have to learn to figure out. And so James brings this up, and there's this tension in this conversation, in this letter that he's writing to the, the followers of Jesus that are spread all over the place. And James basically talks about faith and works in James chapter 2. Now, we have to first understand what, what is faith, right? What is faith? In, 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 a, in a church term, in a church idea, well, what's faith? Well, faith is the belief in God. No, that's not faith. Faith is belief in something. Faith is belief in something, but faith is only as good as what you direct your faith to. Right? So think about it like this, right? I'm on this stage today, right? I'm, I'm up here, and, and and I have faith that I'm gonna take a step and this stage is not gonna collapse. Right? This stage is gonna hold me up. I, I drove um, on the way back. Um, through, uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma On our vacation, our road trip A couple weeks ago We had to go through Memphis, Tennessee uh, Just through the tip of Tennessee And back into Arkansas And we had to stop on this massive bridge Going over I guess it was a river It, it looked like the largest river I'd ever seen in my entire life And I'm just stuck in the middle Over water On a bridge Terrified Because I don't know if y'all know this, but bridges are made to move a little bit. They have to have some wiggle room. And this guy felt every bit of wiggle room in that bridge while I was just sitting there over the water. But I had faith that the engineers knew what they were doing when they built the bridge, right? And and the reality is, is, but faith is things like that. But my faith is only as good as what I project my faith towards. So if I look at the same stage that I have faith will hold me up, and I go, I have faith that this stage is going to save me of my sins. Well, that's not going to work. Do you know why? Because this, faith, this stage can't do that. I'm directing the wrong faith at the wrong thing but what I can do is I can direct my right faith at the right thing which is God and go you are the father and you are the one that's gonna see me through and you gave your son Jesus to pay for the sins that I couldn't pay for and to reconcile me in relationship with you and so I have faith that you can do that and when I put my faith in the right thing and direct it in the right way then faith works are you with me and so maybe you're Putting, maybe faith is a difficult thing for you because you're putting the right intentions of faith to the wrong thing. Maybe I'm going, I need you, whoever you is, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a life group leader, maybe it's a family member, whatever. I need you to save me from my issues when Jesus is the only one that can pull us out of that stuff. So it's the right faith, Directed to the wrong thing. Are you following me today? So what is faith, right? So that's faith. What what is works? What is works? We know what works are. We know what deeds are, right? Deeds are doing something for a desired outcome or doing something to get somewhere and make something happen. Now, here's what we have to understand first and foremost before we get into anything else is we have to know that uh, we are not saved by our works. Please hear me today. You are not saved and reconciled to relationship with God for all of eternity through what you do. It is not the case. It doesn't happen that way. In fact, you can be the best person in the world with the greatest intentions. You can serve at a charity once a month. You can give to a church every week. You can treat people with love and kindness. And if you never give your life to Jesus and you never trust God with your faith, you can still not enter into a relationship with God. That's the hard reality of it. Great people will die and go to hell. So we have to understand, works does not save us. We are saved according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. We are saved through Jesus. We are saved by faith in Jesus. It's not our works. See, sinners are saved by faith, Ephesians 2. And the believers, watch this, believers once you become a believer, you are saved by faith. And then as you're a believer, you walk by faith. You walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 t- teaches us that. See, that's the difficult part. Because we've been taught this Christianity in North America and in, in, in American churches that as long as I raise my hand or I come to the altar and I snort and try enough and I give my life to Jesus, that's the end. I'm good from that point. Can I tell you that's not the end, that's the beginning. That's when I begin to realize faith and I can now walk by faith. See, walking by faith sounds great until you're laying in a hospital room on your back not knowing if you're going to make it to the next day. See, walking by faith sounds good until you've got a family member that's going through a difficult time. See, walking by faith sounds good until your world's turned upside down by a storm. Walking by faith sounds good until you actually got to watch this practice walking by faith. Right? It's like, oh, I walk by faith. Do I? Because in my darkest moments, watch this, the person I run to first is the person or the thing I trust the most. The person or the thing I run to first. So if the first thing I run to in my darkest moments is an emotion that is not of God, watch this, I trust an emotion more than I trust my God. Or if I run to my spouse, I love my spouse. My wife is an angel and a saint. She lives with me and it tests her faith. She lives James 1 every day of her life with me, right? But watch this. If I run to my spouse before I run to my father, I trust her to fix it before I trust God to fix it. And that's a hard reality for us to grab. But that's walking by faith, going, I don't know what's around the corner, but God, you said go around the corner, so I'll go around the corner, even though I don't know what's on the other side of the corner. Walking by faith, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 7. And watch this. Hebrews eleven six actually teaches us that faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. It makes God smile. Have you ever sat back, right? And uh, so yesterday morning, we woke up, and... I'm going to be real honest. Around my house, the mornings are uh, uh, volatile, if you will, at times. I'm not a morning person, right? I'm getting better, but I'm not a morning... I I like to sleep. It takes me a little while to get rolling. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I just need to throw back a Red Bull before I ever even drink a coffee. Right? Y'all don't judge me. Do not judge me. You're judging me right now. You stop that. In the name of Jesus, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing right? It's tough. My son is, a, my, well, my 10-year-old son is a lot like that. My daughter can wake up. She's like, oh, let's go. Yes, gymnastics. Let me do flips. And I'm like, can, uh, can't even see straight right now. And then my three-year-old's like, Aah! as soon as he gets up. My wife is like, hey, babe, how are you? Don't talk to me right now. Jesus ain't even awake yet. But, right? And that's our morning. So yesterday morning, I was sitting in the recliner my recliner, praise God. I do this spread a lot of times on Saturday mornings, grits and eggs and, and bacon. <laughs> praise God. I'd done my spread, and I watched my 10-year-old and my 3-year-old sit down and play a board game together, and they were having fun, and I watched my 3-year-old do, do something absolutely hilarious. And I just remember, like, the response of my 10-year-old. He just stood back, and he was like, Cullen, that's not how it works. And he just started laughing, and it brought a smile on my face. Like, I was just laughing at their interaction together, right? And you know what? The reality is, is I just think God watches us. And when we live and walk by and give ourselves to faith, I just see him sometimes sitting back like a proud dad. and puts a smile on his face. He's like, man, that's, that's what it's about right there. Like, you're trusting me in moments that, it's hard, or you're treating them with love when they didn't treat you with love, or you're you're serving your church today so that we can reach more people for the kingdom of God, or you're handing out an invite today, or you're praying for a coworker. Like that makes me smile. Hebrews eleven six tells us that faith pleases God, and then in, and this is a hard one in Romans chapter fourteen verse twenty three. It actually teaches us that anything apart from faith, watch this, isn't of God. Our relationship with God is synonymous with our relationship with faith. Anything apart from faith isn't of God. That's why we pray bold prayers. That's why we believe big things. That's why I believe this isn't our only campus. This is our first campus. That's why I believe this isn't the only building we'll be in and we'll be at 700 people for the rest of the time. No, we'll be at thousands of people across the globe, reaching people everywhere that they go, helping them to equip and empower them to live the life that God intends every single day of their lives. Why? Because we believe in faith. And we believe that people blind eyed eyes are going to be set free. Yeah. Marriages will be restored. Yeah. Difficulties will come, but we will have an anchored faith come on somebody. Like we just believe those things. So with faith, I'm going to give you something that's going to blow your mind. It's actually not. It's very simple. Faith is essential to a growing relationship with God. So if faith is so important, where do the works part come in? Why is that so important? Well, James actually kind of introduces us to this thought in, in, in James chapter 2, the first half of James, he starts talking about this rich man and this poor man that walk into a service or a gathering like this together, and he talks about how the rich man is actually kind of coveted and, and he's treated differently than the poor man. Some of you may feel like that in your life sometimes, that you're treated differently because of your socioeconomic status or the color of your skin, or maybe, you know, wherever you are, or your past, or whatever, and, and I'm just going to be real, sometimes we make that up in our heads, and it's not even reality, but sometimes it is reality, right? And so he's talking about this, and what he's actually doing is giving an illustration for the second half of James chapter 2 that we're going to get into, but he's giving an illustration that the ground is level at the cross, then no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, God is not a respecter of persons. God doesn't look at you and go, well, you know what, Brandon? You're the pastor of Radiate Church, therefore you don't have to go through the same things everybody else does. No, he looks at me and he goes, Brandon, there's something in you that only this can bring out. The same way he does to you. So James chapter 2, 18 through 20, introduces us to this idea of faith and works. Watch this, it says, but someone may well say... You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe in God. You believe that God is one. You do well. I love this part of the scripture, right? So, in just a minute, let me take a break for a minute while that stays on the screen. In just a minute, we're going to go through two types of faith that James talks about, but he really talks about three, and I want to hit it for a second. And he's about to hit it right here. He says, "You, um, you believe that God is one. Good job. You do well. Woohoo!" The demons also believe that and shudder. There's a third faith that I'm just going to hit very much in passing right now, but it's something we need to talk about, and it's called a demonic faith, and it's not faith in the demonic. It's a demonic faith that you have the same faith the demons have, and it's all emotional, and it's never intellectual, and it's never spiritual. It's all emotional. You know who God is, and you shudder at the thought, and then you go about your life and do whatever. It's all, emo- we chase the emotions, we chase the goosebumps, we chase the tears. Watch this. Can I worship without tears rolling down my face? Yes. First service, I bawled like a baby standing over there during the, during the entire set. Second service, I have dry eyes the whole time. But I worship just as hard no matter what. Because I don't chase emotions. Some of us get to a point where we chase emotions entirely too much. And that's the same faith that demons have. I don't want demonic faith. Anybody with me? I don't want their faith. Because they believe it. They feel it. They just don't live by it. I want to live by it. Then let's go to verse 20. But are you willing to recognize, you you foolish fellow, that faith without works is what? Come on, let's all say that all together and feel the weight of it. Faith without works is? Useless. 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 Good for nothing. You can live a faith in life that is good for nothing. That ought to challenge us a little bit. James introduces two ideas here. He he introduces two ideas of faith: a dead faith and a dynamic faith. And, and I want to talk about the dead faith part for a minute. The dead faith part. Man, that, that one looks a lot like a dynamic faith, but it's useless. It's good for nothing. It doesn't benefit you, it doesn't glorify God, and it doesn't benefit anyone else. A dead faith is, is is found. If you want to flip on over, you can write it down and go back and read it yourself at another time. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, there's this really hard scripture to read. And it's generated tons of conversation as well. Watch this. This is Jesus. This isn't James, this isn't John, this isn't Paul, this isn't David, this isn't anybody else, this ain't Samuel, this ain't nobody else. This is Jesus, Son of God, man that died on the cross because he loved us so much. Watch this. His whole goal was to preach kingdom. And this is what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Can we just stop there for a minute? Not everybody who addresses God as Lord... Makes it to the kingdom of heaven. That's humbling. That's humbling. Then watch what he says. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Here's here's what he's saying, y'all. I love it. He challenges who he's speaking to. He challenges us today with these words. Just because you call God Lord doesn't mean you're going to the kingdom. Just because you recognize his place in this life doesn't mean you're making it to the kingdom of heaven. He says, just because you say the right things. Can we stop there? Just because we don't cuss, and everybody else does. Just because we don't drink, or everybody else does. You can fill in the blank with whatever personal conviction you have. Just because you give... Just because you're one of the top givers at your church and not just giving 5%. Just because you only missed 20 weeks of church this year instead of, instead of 25. Fill it in. It doesn't matter to me. Which is still entirely too many. Um, just because I this or I that. In other words, just because you're, you're saying something doesn't mean you're living something. Because what does he say? When you say, Lord, Lord, it doesn't get you into heaven. But when you say, Lord, Lord, and you begin to do what he asks you to do, now you're living out and you're putting actions to what you say. And there's place in the kingdom for people that believe what they say. Can I teach you an idea on faith real quick? Let me me teach you what, what faith is not. This is not faith. So faith is not hoping something happens and never doing anything with it. Right? Faith, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home today. And I want you to look at your sink full of dirty dishes. Because I know I ain't the only one that's got them. Right? Go look at your sink full of dirty dishes. And just stand there and go, in the name of Jesus, will you please get in the dishwasher? Now, you know if you prayed that and a plate started floating across the air and went in the dishwasher. You'd be like, oh God, I was just kidding, man. I was just kidding. it's freaky. You know, or you might be like, yeah, if we could do that every day, that'd be, you know. And then video it if it happens and send it to me because I really want to see it. No, that, we wouldn't do that. Do you know why? Because we know our place in getting the responsibility done. Watch this. Why would we look at the world today and say, you know, God, I wish somebody would reach this world and help my coworker. I really do. All right, see ya. Let's not put much faith to Lord, Lord. See, Lord, Lord faith is the faith where I don't just say who he is. But I know that he can do anything he wants to do because he is Lord, Lord. Because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because there's no one greater and there's nobody better. See, I don't just, when I know that He's Lord, Lord, I don't just sit back and go, He is my champion. I go, No, you're my champion, God. You've already beat every battle that I'm ever gonna face, and I get to live from victory because you've already accomplished victory, and I'm in you. See, I'm talking about a faith that doesn't just say He's Lord, I'm talking about a faith that walks up to somebody and goes, I will not watch you throw your life away. I will not wait on somebody else to invite you to church. I will not wait on somebody else to come by and reach you with the kingdom of heaven. I will do it because he is God. And I've heard people say this. I'm just going to go in today. I've heard people say this. Well, if God wants me to change, he'll help me change. Sometimes you need to get your butt off the couch and help yourself change. Come on, let's be real. Let's be real. God wants to help us. And he will help us in a walk, but sometimes it takes me. My car ain't going to move until I get in there with a key. Sometimes things don't change in my life until I get around people that want to help me change. Instead around people that want to hold me back. He says, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord. So I have to ask myself, are my deeds supporting my declarations? It's because when you do the will and you say it, watch this. In Matthew 25 and 40, um, there's this continued conversation that happens that teaches us that as believers, we have an obligation. Hear me, obligation, not a suggestion, an obligation to meet the needs of other people. Matthew 25 and 40 Says it like this The king will answer and say to them, Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them. Let's go back to James, the first part of James chapter 2. What's he say? Don't treat the guy that has less any different than the guy that has more. Even to the least of these. This is Jesus talking. Even to the least of these, you did it to me. So Jesus is teaching the same thing James is teaching. That as you treat others, it's the same way as you're treating God. You're treating Jesus. That challenges me. He doesn't say, hey, treat them depending on what they look like, how much money they have, treat them based on that. No, he he says treat them as you treat me because the way you treat them is how you treat me. Husbands, the way we treat our wives is the way we're treating Jesus. If you wouldn't talk to Jesus that way, you better not talk to your wife that way. Wives, the same thing. Kids, the way you treat your 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 uh, your parents is the way that you're treating Jesus. Parents, the way that we treat our kids is the way we're treating them. it's just all the way around. The person that hates us, the way we treat them, is the way that we're treating Jesus. Yeah, but that's the way that they're treating Jesus. Doesn't matter. You're not responsible for them. You're responsible for you. That's it. We gotta we gotta talk about this stuff because. I, I go back and I think about this story uh, in the Bible called the Good Samaritan. You know the story. This guy goes along and he is beat up and robbed and he's left on the side of the road half dead and can't move and can't do anything, right? And, and this priest and this Levite come by and they're like, Hey, dude, you look like you're in bad shape. Hope somebody comes by to help you. It'd be a good idea if somebody helped you get better. Peace. And they walk on, and then there's a Samaritan that comes by. And this Samaritan picks him up, and he gets him a hotel room, and he goes to buy him a white chocolate mocha from from Starbucks. And he gets him a, praise God, a public sub sandwich. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? And and like, he does all this stuff. He's taking care of the man. And here's the the interesting part. Culturally, the Levite and the priest were the most intellectually smart people when it came to faith. So the reality was, they could defend their faith intellectually, but they couldn't demonstrate it. They couldn't love a man when he was down. And I don't know about you, but the reality is the demonstration of our faith should actually be what defends our faith. How am I living out my faith? Am I loving people that are hard to love? Because the Bible even teaches me it's not hard to love people that you already love. Am I loving people that are going through a hard time? Am I getting in groups with people that make me better? Like The way I demonstrate my faith in difficult times should actually be what the world looks at and goes, "That—that that is a faith I can get behind. Because when all things went to hell for them, they still stood on a rock and said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know who he is. And because I know who he is, then I can stand here in the darkest of days and still trust him. I think the world is looking for a faith that shines bright in darkness. The world is looking for a faith that stands strong when everything's hard. Because a dead faith, A dead faith works, but never worships. A a dead faith pushes others, but doesn't pay our own. Doesn't do what we have to do. A dead faith goes, but never gives. A dead faith borrows their beliefs, but never knows their beliefs. See, a dead faith is a lot like this right here. A dead faith is we go about our day and we do what we're supposed to do in the moment, and I, I got the structure. See, a couple of years ago, about a year ago, I built a kitchen table for my family. It's a beautiful kitchen table, it's a farmhouse kitchen table. Mm. We we bougie now. I build it with my own hands. My hands. I use saws and hammers and screws. I built it. I love that table. It's amazing. But I started with the base because I needed the base to build the k- tabletop on top and make sure that the size fit and everything. And it's in, our ta- it's in our room right now. It's in our kitchen right now. I can sit about 10 people around that table. I'm not having any more kids, so nobody asked me that. The problem is, is that we live our faith, and we live, when we live by works, we have the structure of something that could be useful. And to everybody else, they could see what it could be, but there's no use to it whatsoever. Nobody in this room would look at this and be like, oh, that's really useful. I could use that right now. Let me sit on that stool. Let me put a drink there. Let me eat my food off that. Nobody would do that because it's useless. It's a dead faith. Then there's, in, in, in James 2 and 22 through 26, this is where we start talking about the dynamic faith. This is where we start talking about, like, James starts really going in. Like, this is what a real faith looks like. This is what a faith lived out looks like. This is what a faith that you really are into looks like. James 22 through 26 in, in, in chapter 2 says this. You see that faith was working with his works, not for his works. Faith wasn't working for works. Works wasn't looking, working for faith. They were working what? Together. With his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Faith is perfected by works. What in the world, James? Let's keep reading. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, Was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by one another, by another way? Verse 26. For just as the body without the spirit is dead. What a heavy statement. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Dead faith. I I actually love this because what James is teaching us is this thought, that dynamic faith always Everybody say always. Always. Dynamic faith always leads to action. Dynamic faith always leads to action. Dynamic faith is moving. Dynamic faith is growing. And and I'd put it this way. That's why uh, I'd put it this way. We don't have much faith if we're not willing to put works behind it. We don't have much faith if our actions don't back it up. That's not faith. That's just words. Works justify what we say we believe. If I'm willing to give to it, if I'm willing to work for it. See, that's why we serve here at Radiate Church, because we have faith. We have faith that God's doing something amazing here. We have faith that God's building his church in Northeast Columbia and all over. And this is where it starts. We have faith. We come in here and we serve because we have faith that when we serve, it opens the door for somebody to meet Jesus that week. See, that's why we we reach our co-workers, because we have faith that no matter who they are, what they've been through, or where they've been in their life, God can reach them. He loves them right where they are, but too much to leave them there. That's why we work on our marriages every single day, because we have faith that God is going to be glorified in our marriages. That's why we work through our dark times, because we have faith that God's going to shine a light in the midst of that. See, faith works with works to perfect faith. Dynamic faith always leads to action. Dynamic faith doesn't sit in a chair, sing a song, never raise our hands, never raise our voice, never do anything to be demonstrative about what we are actually singing about. I don't know how I can sing that God is my champion and just sit back. I can't do it. Dynamic faith requires action. Some of us have more faith that the Gamecocks are going to win a national championship when we're sitting in the stands and we jump up and down than we do that God can actually deliver us from the evil that we're in. Anybody left that loves me? Like, dynamic faith. And I love that, that James actually uses two complete opposites in this story. In James 2 to demonstrate his point. He uses Ahab and are Rahab and Abraham. Abraham was a Jew. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was godly. Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, Abraham considered, was considered a friend of God, and Rahab belonged literally to the, the enemies of God. Two completely different examples. Two completely different people. But what do they have in common? They both had in common a faith that led to an action that caused them to perfect their faith. Rahab, so in those days, culturally, you did not include women in your family tree. They weren't included. They didn't have that much value. Well, when you're going through Jesus' family tree, he literally makes a point to talk about Rahab. Why? She had a faith She had a faith that led to an action that she lived out. And so dynamic faith takes the structure of a dead faith and puts something on it so that now what we have been building, the works, are now doing what? They're supporting the faith that we say we have. And now our faith can actually be useful rather than just being a prop. Rather than just being something that is there for other people to see. Now we're going, no, I can use this faith because my works, what I'm doing, how I'm loving people, how I'm giving people a, a, a Jesus, how I'm inviting people into the journey, how I'm getting through difficult times. When I'm loving God, my works are supporting my faith, not my faith supporting my works. Faith and works, not faith or works. So what's more important, faith or works? Both! Because do I have faith if I don't live it out? Do I have faith if nobody even knows that I have faith? Do I have faith if... See, I want a dynamic faith. I want a dynamic faith that is growing, that is demonstrative, that doesn't Cower down when things get hard, but stands up when things get hard. I want a faith that believes God even whenever I don't feel like believing God. I want a faith that pushes me. I want, a, I want a church full of people with dynamic faith that when all hell breaks loose, God is the one that we turn to. I want a church with a dynamic faith that jumps into life groups because there's, there's power in community. I want a church that serves like nobody we've ever seen because we have faith in the community that we're in and we have faith that God is going to change people's lives. I want a church, you just heard Pastor Travis say, that this year we've given $25,000 to other people to reach them for the kingdom of God. I want a church that gives way more than that because we believe in what God's doing. Dynamic faith can't just sit. A dynamic faith has to be shown, and has to move, and has to change, and has to impact, and has to do something. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of Satan because Satan's a deceiver. He does nothing original. He just takes what God's already said, twists it. And if he can get you to believe the twisted version, then you won't ever walk in the true version. That's why he takes the idea of freedom and twists it to think that freedom is actually what you can do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it, when freedom is actually you can do whatever you want within the confines of where you are. That's a whole nother sermon. But Satan has taken this idea of dead faith and he's made us believe that as long as it looks like faith, Then it's got to be faith. And God's okay with you just being a good person. No, God wants you to be a good person. Whose faith is on Him. And it lives for Him. And that. That is the concept. That James chapter 2. Is leading us to. I don't know about you. But it actually fires me up. And challenges me. And goes, Brandon. You could probably have a little more dynamic faith. You could probably do some things. To get. To where your faith may actually be just a little bit more useful. To where your works are supporting your faith. So, as I do each and every service, I want to give somebody a chance. to Say, I've never prayed a prayer and asked for forgiveness from Jesus. But that's the first step to dynamic faith. And if that's you and you're in the room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you is there anybody in the room that would say as we're getting ready to serve you is there anybody in the room that would say I want to pray that prayer and give Jesus my life I want to give him everything I have and I need his forgiveness for who I've been and who I was and even who I am because I'm ready to walk in a new life forgiveness and grace and love and salvation with him to reconcile relationship with my father again if that's you and you're ready to pray that prayer, would you just hold your hand up right where you are so I can pray with you today. Amen. Now, is there anybody in the room that would be bold enough to say, I want a dynamic faith. Not a dead faith. I want a dynamic faith that digs into who God is and His Word. I want a dynamic faith that worships. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But I want that dynamic. I want to work towards that. And in just a minute, I'm going to give you a chance to raise your hand symbolically and say, that's me. Because all over the room in the first service, people raised their hands and we prayed. And my hand's going to go up. So I want to ask you, is there anybody that would join so many people in that first service with their hands up saying, I want a dynamic faith. Help me. Help me, God. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. And God, I just declare that Satan will not be able to twist the truth of dynamic faith to make us think that a dead faith is enough. It's not. But God, we love you. And we honor you. And we give you everything we have. And so God, I pray that your spirit would lead us in such a way that we would be able to live a dynamic faith of action. Of movement that supports and perfects the faith that we say that we have God give us a desire and a passion to dig into your word to listen to your spirit to worship your presence God just bring us to a place where faith makes a difference everywhere that we go. We want to glorify you in everything that we do. Father, we honor you and worship you. And if you are thankful for who God is in your life, would you put your hands together right now? Come on.